Welcome to Making a Scene, the only podcast with unlimited lives. My name is Harrison Williams. And I'm Chris Fabian. Each week, we invite you to join our chaotic thoughts on film, television, and everything in between. And this week, we're going to be a little bit in between. We're going to be talking about video game movies. Yes, the critically loved, never panned juggernaut of a category that is video game movies. I don't think there's ever been a bad one. No. I mean, I'm looking at Rotten Tomatoes editorial as kind of a general framework, and it's the 43 video game movies ranked worst to best. And, I mean, I've never seen so many hundreds in one (laughs) article before. This is pretty incredible. I think it's basically just a compilation of every 100% Rotten Tomato score, all video game movies. Or, in uh, reality, you actually have to go all the way to the third best... Video recording <laughs> to find one that is fresh at all, and that's uh 2020 Sonic the Hedgehog at 63%. Yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog, and then we've got Pokemon Detective Pikachu, which is 67%. Mm-hmm. And then the so number one, I have not seen it, but I take a little bit of umbrage with the idea that this is necessarily in the same category as quote-unquote like video game we're doing like air quotes here video game movies angry birds movie 2 which is 73 percent so i and i'm looking at the cast i mean the cast looks good i just don't know if mobile game mobile game movie should be in the same category as video game movie i don't know thoughts on that well so i mean if we go back to one of the most notorious video game movies of all time, that would be 1993 Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, I feel like that's where this conversation usually starts on like a YouTube video is right. that movie. Yeah. Well, but I mean, obviously it's a it's a novelty and a train wreck and yeah, it's it's something. But like, look at what that was based on. You know what I mean? Like, the yeah. depth of Mario Brothers or Super Mario Brothers wasn't far beyond what you get in Angry Birds. I think my my inclination is to believe you kind of feel that way just because video games now are so much more than a casual mobile game kind of thing. But, I mean, when you go back to the roots of it, like... Pong and even something like Pitfall, which was probably one of the more layered games of the the early video game era, you know, it was still very much the kind of thing that you would find literally for free on any kind of app store. Sure. Yeah. I definitely hear you. Even if you go back to Super Mario Brothers, there was, I guess, I guess it's that Angry Birds movie, or Angry Birds in general, and most mobile... I can't think of a mobile game that I would say has a through line of a story, right? Whereas even the rudimentary 8-bit Super Mario Brothers had a storyline. I think... Mm -hmm. And and I'm not an expert on Mario or really even close to it, but Mm -hmm. I know that even early on, there was probably more of an understanding of that I would imagine in Japan where the kind of the native where where the games are native to. So but you still had that core idea of these two brothers are 
trying to find this princess, and there is a through line. You you discover who Bowser is, and then that's the ultimate big bad. But with mm-hmm. Angry Birds, it's just the same code that's used on dozens of other mobile games, and it's basically just mm-hmm. that old. What's the old? Is it the old tanks game? Just reskinned with birds. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's essentially what it is. I guess the reason that I say a mobile game shouldn't quite fall into the same category is because it, there is, I think, a slightly dumbed down nature to what those offer from like a narrative pers- basis, which is ultimately that narrative is what is driving the movie to some extent. Not mm-hmm. in, in in certain cases like Super Mario Brothers, it's very loosely based. But in other movies like uh, Tomb Raider or some of the Resident Evil movies or Doom, it's a lot more literal to the story. Like the story is very much taking on the same narrative from the video games with mm-hmm. just a little bit more attention paid to the the cutscenes. Right. So, okay, well, what would you say is the best video game movie that you've seen? Mm, okay, so so my belief in video game movies is there are two types, like there are two ways to look at the video game movie. You can look at what is the best movie that is mm-hmm. based on video games, or yep. what is the best movie that is representative of the video game. So, like, are you are you judging it based on its narrative qualities and its and its cinematic qualities, or are you basing it on its attention and the kind of the homage that it pays to the video game? Because this is going to be controversial to the highest order. But if we're judging it based on its homage to the video game, I'm going to go with Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which sounds fucking nuts. But huh. I have a case to make for this. If we're going with most enjoyable cinematic film and just based on the cinema, I'm probably going to come down on the side of Detective Pikachu. Okay. I think that that, that is a movie that I don't really need to understand the I don't need to I don't need to know Pokemon to un, to enjoy right. that movie. You could mm-hmm. have just this could be Detective Pikachu could have been the first time ever showing the concept on film. And I still would have enjoyed the movie. And for that matter, I would say Rampage is a close second for me. Just because I, I really don't have any nostalgia for Rampage, the video game. I don't really know sure. anything about it. And it was a stupid summer blockbuster, like, popcorn flick. Mm-hmm. But it was still, it understood what it was trying to be, and I think it was very successfully that. What about so I didn't, I didn't see Detective Pikachu, but I, I have an inclination based on the, well, okay, so I'll back up a bit. So Detective Pikachu came out right around the same time that we were supposed to get Sonic the Hedgehog. Sure. And I know the trailers debuted within like two weeks of each other. So Detective Pikachu came out and I knew that they were planning on making a live action Pokemon film. Right. Which as a fan of Pokemon was pretty exciting. And then I heard Detective Pikachu and I was like, what? And then I saw the trailer and I was like, wait a minute, does that look kind of good? Yeah. Charming at the very least. Um, I think that's what the movie's got for it more than anything is the charm. They, mm-hmm. they're they able to, I would say they're able to give certain Pokemon and that more charm and character than even like some of the cartoons did. So the thing that I, I found striking, particularly as more trailers 
came out and you saw a little more of kind of the world that it took place in, mm-hmm. it reminded me in a way of who framed Roger Rabbit and that you have this like fully alive world mm-hmm. with these other creatures or animated, you know, tunes or Pokemon, whatever it may be mm-hmm. integrated into that world. And it was, and you could speak to this better than I could, but like from the trailer, it looked like it was the first movie I've seen do that to that level since who framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. I'm trying to think of another movie because there are other movies that have done it. I I definitely think that's a weirdly, I kind of put last action hero in that same category, not so much. From the animation perspective, but just the, Uh this is our world with one big suspension of disbelief thrown in that we don't have in our current world. So, but yeah, I think in that, I think that's probably, if it's not the only one, it's definitely the best analogy to make in terms of the movie. I, I would, I would agree though, that I think Detective Pikachu, it, it's able to integrate the characters and what I think it does really well is it never feels like a novelty, like as much as people of our generation i think love space jam for the nostalgia factor it's largely a gimmick of look that we're putting these cartoon characters with these live action characters and they're spending yes. the entire movie together so like it, it it's a gimmick and it works we all remember it and we all love mm-hmm. it but it's a gimmick. detective pikachu does not feel like a gimmick it feels like there is a deep love for the characters of the pokemon mm-hmm. and a deep respect for the source material but the only way to show that is through animation. Practical yeah. as much as I would love to see a practical Detective Pikachu, I don't think that the budget will ever be available to try to do that. Anyway, so what what would you say your your top video game movie is? Well, it's interesting that you you brought up that duality because I was thinking about it in terms of being representative of the video game. Okay. And to that end, I think the best video game movie that I've seen is need for speed actually okay yeah because basically the premise of the movie is guy has to race across the country in order to make it to a race to win something like money or something i i don't remember i just know that it was aaron paul imogen poots were the two leads and i thought they were you know it was cool seeing Aaron Paul on like kind of his first leading role, although it was need for speed, but they worked well together. And then you had Michael Keaton cranked up to 11. Michael Keaton. Just, in this? Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh huh. All right. Michael Keaton plays. He's kind of the guy, I guess that like heads up this, this race, this illegal street race. And he's kind of like, it's kind of this thing where he like broadcasts, the race and does like commentary and whatnot. And he's just like all jacked up. That was, it was right after it was not too far after the remake of RoboCop. Okay. Which he also did that same similar kind of, right. And it was, it was very much like he was the best part of an otherwise pretty crappy movie. Okay. But, but no need for speed was like competently enough shot. And there wasn't, you know, the story doesn't matter. And they yeah. just put enough story to make a movie called Need for Speed based on a game called Need for Speed, and that's exactly what it was. Huh. And I thought they did an exceptional job at it. It's got a 22 on it's Rotten got Tomatoes. Rami Malek in it? Okay. 
Yeah, apparently I need to give this a look because I'm seeing the. I'm looking at the full cast now, and it, yeah, Aaron Paul, Imogen Poots, who I will always love from Green Room, Remy Malik, Dakota Johnson, Michael Keaton. Yeah, this is. I mean, okay, that's okay. Yeah, so I I find it interesting that you just like immediately jump to that point, but of the ones I've seen, as far as like the movie itself, yeah, I would probably say Sonic the Hedgehog, and there's a couple reasons for that. Like I was saying about Detective Pikachu, I. The very first video game console I ever got was a Sega Genesis on my fourth birthday, and I had, obviously, all of the Sonic the Hedgehog games. So I grew up loving Sonic the Hedgehog and watching in horror as that video game franchise has stabbed itself in the chest multiple times. So, you know, I hear, oh, they're going to do a live-action Sonic Jim Carrey's going to be in it. My six-year-old self literally would have had a coordinary. Like, <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog and Jim Carrey in the same place, You like, could it get any better? Then yeah. the trailer comes out, and it was it was horrifying. You know? I was going to ask what you thought of the original rendering of Sonic before they It was did horrifying. The... Yeah. And I'm so glad that the internet cyberbullied a damn movie studio into changing it. Yeah, it's pretty... People talk about the Snyder Cut, but Sonic the Hedgehog was kind of the case study for whether Mm -hmm. or not the Snyder Cut was going to be able to be brought out of a studio. And yeah, I have not seen Sonic the Hedgehog. I have heard incredible things about it. I think from my perspective on the movie, I feel like as a sponge, I am oversaturated with Jim Carrey doing the Jim Carrey thing. So I don't know if I have any more room in my heart and my soul for another, like, another movie doing that. Which is, I think, one of the hurdles that I've had with with going to see it is I just don't, like, I've got, I've got so many movies already where he's doing the, the Ace Ventura thing. Right, so, just the very over-the-top physical. Yeah, so, and I get the sense that that's going to be Sonic the Hedgehog. It is encouraging that Ben Schwartz is voicing Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. But I like Ben Schwartz doing more over the top improv stuff and so when it's when you're taking out the physical element and you're taking out the ability to improv because he's reading lines from a prompter that is a little bit less interesting to me. And so I'm left with James Marsden, which is fine. But well, to be completely honest, it's it largely has to do with the fact that it looked terrible. Yeah. And then they they fixed the design of the character. Right. They even touched up some of the visual effects okay like you can watch the two trailers with the old horror you know like david cronenberg <laughs> like body horror sonic yeah. and then the, the new one and you can see that some of the like visual effects were actually tweaked right and so the fact that like it came out and it wasn't completely awful and in fact was kind of fun yeah if a little cringy at points like i don't know it just it was nice to see something <laughs> related to Sonic that I didn't hate for like the second time in a decade, you know? I'm curious where it landed. So I remember the one, the most notable thing to be outside of the redesign of Sonic was the, the fact that because of 2020 being such a dumpster fire for movies specifically, and, and it was one of the few large releases from studios in 2020, I know that it was trending at the top of the list for a long time. So I'm looking up right now to see where it landed, but I think that's one of the things that also was just really interesting about it is it's a movie that in any other year would have, I mean, it would have done well because it's a kid's movie, but I don't think would have seen 
it probably would have eked into top 10 if it was one of the only big budget kids movies of its type. But I think if it was competing in a, in a year with a lot of other kids movies, I don't know how well it would have done. It was uh, number three for the year last year for the domestic box office. It was number three behind 2019's 1917. Okay. And in first place was bad boys for life. Yeah, okay. But yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog was the only movie of 2020 that I actually saw in theaters. What what did it do at the box office, just out of curiosity? The domestic box office, $146.1 million. So it, that also means that it's probably the only solid 2020 release to have made its money back, because it was an estimated box office of $85 million. So it, was that 140 worldwide, or was that a domestic? That was domestic. Wow. So, yeah. okay. No, so it, it, it ended up being much more successful than they anticipated. And yeah. this was even before we were, it was clear that like, well, movie theaters aren't going to be a thing this year. But yeah, they greenlit the sequel pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm interested because they, the ending definitely was where the fan service came in. It was sure. like, oh, look, what we're going to do next. And yeah, I'm interested to see where it goes. So. I'm actually seeing at the box, and I, I don't, it says USD, so I'm not sure if this is worldwide or not, but I'm seeing 306 for... That'd be worldwide. That'd be worldwide? Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a pretty decent return, all things considered. So, I have to ask, okay. because I thought you were going to say Mortal Kombat, but then you added Annihilation. Yeah. And what? So, okay, for, for those that aren't fully up on the the Mortal Kombat. A lot of people probably don't even know that Annihilation exists. So the original Mortal Kombat <laughs> comes out. I'm looking up what year it dropped. When when people talk about video game movies, I, I feel pretty confident Su Super Mario Brothers is probably the one that gets talked about when people are talking about the genre in, in mm -hmm. any sort of critical way. But mm -hmm. I think for the average moviegoer, Mortal Kombat is synonymous with video game movies. It's the movie that almost everybody thinks about. And it has created certain it's impacted pop culture beyond just the fact that it's a, a notable video game movie. One of the first video game movies. Also, if you, if, if you're saying that super Mario brothers was the first notable, at yeah, least that was 93. That came out in 93. Mortal Kombat was only two years behind that. So it was kind of on the forefront of the testing of whether or not this was a viable subgenre for movies. But two mm -hmm. years later, they released annihilation. The cast is, almost completely refreshed. The only people to have stuck around, and I don't know... Yeah, you had Robin Shu, who played Liu Kang in the original and in Annihilation. I believe the only other one that is for sure that I can see is Katana, who was played in both by Talisa Soto. Pretty much mm -hmm. everybody else was recast. New director. Interestingly, one of the, one of the writers, and I don't know if this is just... Uh, credit from them working on the from the video games but ed boone and john tobias who are the two creators i believe of mortal kombat the video game franchise are credited as writers on this so i don't know if they had any huh. to do with the actual writing but that's pretty notable i'll i'll look here in a second and see if they were listed on the original but if you're judging it based off of the kind of reverence to the source material which is the video game the original one felt very the original mortal kombat felt very much like they were, their their approach was okay. 
there's this base storyline that we get from the from the video games, which at this point, when those were made, Mortal Kombat was far from cinematic. It was very much just a button masher fighting game. There was there was a storyline there, but it, it was not what you know Mortal Kombat to be today. But they said, okay, we've got this this basic premise. So how can we make a movie? with that same basic premise. So they did it, and I think it was successful for what it was, but what I think they did with Mortal Kombat Annihilation, and I just checked, Boone and Tobias were not listed as writers on Mortal Kombat, at least according to to Rotten Tomatoes. Probably, like, executive producer or something like that. Maybe, yeah, but they they weren't, like I said, Ed Boone and, and John Tobias were not listed as writers on on Mortal Kombat, but mm-hmm. it was on Annihilation. So Annihilation mm-hmm. comes out. It is uh, not a reboot. It is a, a sequel to the movies, which the first one does kind of set up. But what they do is I think they take, to me at least, they kind of dispense a little bit with certain movie-making conventions like uh, cohesive plot and logic going from one scene to the next. And they, Acting. Yeah, but what, but what I think makes sense in that if you're trying to to give someone a more cinematic experience for their favorite video game, which at this point in 97, you know, I think 97 probably wasn't too far away from, you know, your 64-bit games. So, you, I mean, that's, there, there isn't the ability to really put a strong cutscene in a video game at this point. So, right. this to me feels more like what I would expect out of a cutscene, where it doesn't really make a ton of sense, but like your whole point is to get to the next match in Mortal Kombat, which is pretty much what Annihilation feels like. It feels like they have basically just said, okay, we want to see the most realistic version of Jax and Smoke fighting that we possibly can. And so we're going to do that. We're going to find actors who look like that and get costume designers who can make a Smoke costume. And then we're going to have them fight with decent fight choreography. They Mm. bring in characters who are a lot... That's generous. Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't... It, the fight choreography is not bad. It's it's staged, but, I mean, if you look at what Mortal Kombat is, right? I mean, the, the game Mortal Kombat at this point was a, a mash a mashup of about 10 to 15 moves per character. So it doesn't have... I, I think, to me, Annihilation is one of the best representations of the material that they are sourcing from on film. Well... I'll have to give it another look in that lens. Because, it's a bad movie. I will be yeah, 100% that, it, clear. It is a bad film. But I think <sighs> if if you're judging it based off of how it represents its source material, I think it does great. I mean, they throw characters in that are super deep cut that really anybody outside of a of a fan of this video game franchise probably really would not find interesting in the slightest. But because – like. It, the number of characters that they pull, they pretty much pull the entire roster from, I think, Mortal Kombat 2 into the movie. Like, the entire fighting roster. And, to its credit, they trade out Christopher Lambert, or Christopher Lambert, <laughs> who was supposed to be playing Raiden, who is a... I'm pretty sure in the video games he was a an Asian character. And they yeah. put French-Canadian Christopher Lambert. Now, they don't do much better... <laughs> Right. But at least they got a more competent actor in James Remar for Annihilation. So yeah, credit well, where credit is due. Annihilation has some of my favorite line deliveries of oh, all yeah. time because <laughs> it's so bad. But no, because see, I thought when I when I initially saw both of them, I thought that the first Mortal Kombat film was a really good 
beat em up like representation of the video game that also was a vaguely competent movie whereas annihilation is just a mess but and and part of it too like baraka (laughs) annihilation yeah it's one of the goofiest damn things i've ever seen in my life (laughs) yeah baraka baraka is almost i'm trying to remember the other there are a couple of characters in in annihilation that are just really rough but baraka is probably the worst Mm -hmm. because it's this poor fitting full face makeup like like hollywood halloween makeup or halloween latex mask level jobs like a first draft of a of a like power rangers villain yeah yeah i think i think it's really just that mortal kombat one they're both they're both fun but mortal kombat tried to insert a storyline for a video game franchise that wasn't ready for a storyline yet for that level of a storyline I think Annihilation mm. recognized where the fran- where the video game franchise was at that point. Up to that point, the video game franchise had made its name on being banned in Australia and having a lot of blood. And so that's right. what they gave their fans. They that uh, Annihilation felt like it was a movie for the fans of Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat was meant to be a movie to attract more fans to the video game franchise. I yeah. guess that's the way that I would I would differentiate the two. And I think just on the on the premise of what is best representing the video game that it's made for or made from, I would say Annihilation. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll have to revisit that. Cause... But they're all trash. So yeah. it's fine. Yeah. The... That being said, everything I've seen and heard about the forthcoming reboot of Mortal Kombat looks like it's going to do a little bit of both, being true to the... At this point in the franchise, as far as the video games are concerned, uh-huh. it's so graphically violent. Oh, it's yeah. Move past the point of being like disturbing to where it's just like cartoonish. And yeah. I'm hoping to see some of that in the forthcoming movie, which I'm kind of avoiding anything else about because, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go see it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think the, the, upcoming movie will definitely take after i'm trying to remember who it was that made it but there was there was a i don't remember if it was a series on youtube that came out on youtube or if it was just a single video but there was like a it was a series was it a series well there there was a series that came out later on like a couple years ago but this was before i think but i might be mixing that up with the power rangers because they the, the both of them felt very similar there was a mortal kombat one and then there was a Power Rangers one, but I think they were both done by the same. I think it was like Ari Schenken or something like that. The the Power Rangers one I think was a one off because I remember yeah. seeing that. But so talking about like video games plots and the challenge of kind of translating it into a film. This is another situation where it seems like video game adaptations have found their home on television with the oh with the witcher and okay have you seen the castlevania animated series i haven't um it's terrific okay terrific and i mean it definitely like the the castlevania games they're they're like loosely connected and i think there's probably a couple different timelines that that series follows at any given point but it does a really good job of incorporating that sort of 
gothic vibe and some okay. of the, like creatures and they you know they give the character of dracula this very like interesting kind of tragic story and hmm. but now that i'm thinking about it that's kind of always where video game adaptations have shined because as far back as the 90s you had the sonic the hedgehog series yeah that's true plural because there was two of them there was a mario um, series as well mm-hmm, the super mario super show yep i feel like there was also uh, was there a kirby show at one point or am i just yes okay kirby kirby right back at you and i believe yeah. that there's actually a, another one if i'm not mistaken like a newer one okay i mean there's there's actually been quite a few television adaptations of video games that wildly vary in quality yeah because like earthworm jim was terrific that's fair the tv show yep and then donkey kong country is one of the most puzzling piss poor (laughs) things i've i've ever seen i've seen maybe five minutes of that series which it lasted probably about seven minutes yeah the series as a whole but like oh my god okay so well, you are but, you are the animation guy, so I I will defer to your judgment. <laughs> I I have not seen. I remember as a kid seeing some of the Super Mario show, and I remember seeing the Kirby thing. Is I probably saw like ads for it. I'm trying to think of other video game shows. Well, you know, at first you'd be forgiven for not realizing that it is a video game adaptation but do you remember where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Yeah. So that was always a chicken and egg situation for me which I didn't I I never knew which came first with that. I'm pretty certain it was the computer games. They were like sort of bless you. Thank you. <laughs> they were like sort of text based with like pictures and whatnot sure. but but the whole concept of turning an educational game into an educational quiz show huh okay i don't know that was kind of brilliant and i think now that was in the case of something like castlevania or the witcher just like i think one of the reasons that one of two main reasons that i think video games tend to not adapt well is because one video games are an inherently subjective experience greater than like watching a movie or a television show because it's kind of difficult to passively play most video games particularly modern sure video games there's a level of personal engagement and you yourself in a sense are propelling the story forward the other problem too is it's very similar to the whole the book was better argument it's just a longer because a video game now i mean jesus christ skyrim's been out for what like 15 years at this point sure and people have spent thousands of hours playing that now granted there's a point where it just becomes side quest after side quest after side quest that just kind of recycles itself but the main storyline of a given video game, people will be upset if it's less than 30 hours long at this point. 
Right. Well, I think. Well, and th- I think that's shifting a little bit just with the trend of online gameplay and, and open world concept, right? I mean, you've got uh, you've got plenty of people with a franchise like GTA that have never mm-hmm. played. Like, there are a number of GTA games that I never played the the campaign. I just went straight into the open world nature of it. And now with with it right. being online, it's like you know people don't necessarily need to have a a storyline because they just want the the sandbox nature of it. Similar to like I know there seem to be two different. Like for for games like like uh, Call of Duty, there really does seem to be this pretty big divide because it took me a long time to realize that there was a narrative through line with those games, or at least like undertones of it, or or kind of a, a general universe that they're setting up with it. But there's there's the people that care very much about that, and there's also the people that just go into it just because they want to, you know, get their kill to death ratio higher than right. they had it last week. So it, it, it that's a part of the video game movie phenomenon that I'm curious to see where it goes because you know you're looking at some of the movies that are coming up and they are still based on narrative you know narrative cinematic games but I think I guess I'm just curious to see how how cinematic video games will be or how narratively driven video games will be you know 10-15 years from now not to say that it'll go away but you say that and like everybody the things that everybody pays attention to right now are you're kind of open world or more like competitive games. Right. And I think that may have to do with esports becoming as huge as it has become. Right. Largely abroad, but I mean ESPN aired an esports tournament not that long ago and it was kind of a big deal. It was the first time they had ever done that. But something like The Witcher or Dark Souls or some of these other franchises, I'm not personally familiar with them, but they are very much narrative driven. Well, and so to be, to be fair with The Witcher, The Witcher is still based on a book. Like all, I don't know how much, how many of the games are based on direct mm. books, but the base concept of The Witcher originated from a series of books. You know what? I completely forgot about that. You're right. Yeah. So I, I, and I, from what I understand, because I, so the problem that I had with the show. I tried to watch that fucking show probably like three or four times, <laughs> and I and I understand now where people who couldn't get into Game of Thrones get off telling me that it's not an enjoyable show or they just couldn't get into it because I felt that way about The Witcher. And I've heard – like I have people that cosplay as one of – whatever one of the nerdy-ass characters from that show is, but I can't <laughs> for the life of me – and like I mean early on in the show, it's got – a like a monster battle and you got Henry Cavill being all big burly hairy Henry Cavill and it's uh-huh. great but I just can't I don't know I, I it's it's like Dimatap for me it literally puts me to sleep yeah I guess that's a show for the kind of people that listen to movie podcasts and that kind of gay crap <laughs> all right fine yeah. I'll fucking watch the show no but I, I don't think that narrative video games are going away but I, I am curious to see with the rise of the battle royale and you know arena based games kind of what that will what that will do and, and and does that like will that just lead to more things like Street Fighter the Legend of Chun Li or will that lead to <laughs> will there be a Rocket League the movie? Or kind of, I guess, to the back to the original point we were talking about with Angry Birds 2, right? It's the highest rated on Rotten Tomatoes. But will there be 
more of that, where they're just taking recognizable visuals from a video game and then formulating an original story around those visuals? Or will they be just having to search back and just go back to video games from the past, like which, I mean, there's still plenty of heavy hitters that they've never made, like Skyrim. They've made, I think they made a Halo TV show, but there's been this development hell for a, for a Halo movie for probably going on a decade now. Yeah, that's how we got District 9. Yeah, exactly. So it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious to see where the future of it goes, but I think we've, we've definitely got plenty of fun ones to talk about in the meantime. I mean, you've got, like, we talk, I mean, we could, we could go off on a Uwe Boll, you know, episode if we wanted to i i knew he was gonna come up but how can to he be not? completely honest i've never not? seen a single one of his movies he is to video games what Zack snyder is to original properties he just keeps on making movies with them he <laughs> you know so uve bowl i'm just gonna go through real quick some of these i honestly did not know were video games but i know of most of these alone in the dark with christian slater and tara reed and steven dorf house of uh-huh. the dead with Nobody respectable in it. In the name of the king, a dungeon siege tale with the most obscenely stacked cast for a movie that is rated 4% on Rotten Tomatoes. This movie (laughs) has got Jason Statham, John Rice Davies, Ray Liotta, Matthew Lillard, Burt fucking Reynolds, Ron Perlman, Lily Sobieski, who I... More from, like, the late 90s, early 2000s. But, like, it's just... It is obscene how many... Fully, co- fully coherent people were conned. genuine bona fide movie stars. Yeah, were were conned into making this absolute garbage movie. It is. I watched it not too long ago, just because I hate myself. It is basically a ripoff of Lord of the Rings, but like if if J.R.R. Tolkien came back more damaged from a world war and then had like his six-year-old take dictation because his hands didn't work right. That's more <laughs> or less what you'd get out of in the name of the King. It is wow. truly. Okay. So you, we were talking earlier about Baraka from uh, mortal Kombat annihilation and how goofy the, the character looked because of the makeup job. Imagine yes. every monster, every bad guy monster, every like orc stand in, in the name of the King, all of them being Baraka. That's basically, wow. Yeah. It's really bad. Blood Rain with is done by Uwe Boll. Postal. Uh-huh. I know he's got more. Hold on. Max Payne might as well have been done by Uwe Boll. He's got more, but I refuse to believe that, that they go down this way. But anyway. Oh, Dead or Alive. No, I'm sorry. Dead or Alive was not. That was Corey Yen. But anyway, he is a awful person. He, well, he's German, first of all. So <laughs> he's, he's a German. Dead giveaway. <laughs> he's, a, he's a German filmmaker who, like, if you look at him online... It lists Uwe Boll as filmmaker and, I think, restaurateur. So, really? Yeah, I know. I oh, really, my Lord. I had a German joke, and I just couldn't go there. He Isn't he the one that boxed a critic? He, like, challenged some critic to a boxing match? Let me see. Uwe Boll boxing challenge is coming up on Google. Let's see. Well, the first video is from Angry Lemur. Shout out to Angry Lemur on YouTube. Online movie critic gets by director in boxing match. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's Uwe Boll challenges, quote, chicken coward out. Ale- no way. This has got to be a different Alex Jones, right? I would have. Oh, my God. If Uwe I would Boll imagine Alex, so. But I wouldn't put it past Alex Jones. Let's see. Oh, no. Oh, no, it is. What? Holy shit. 
hold on. I'm going to, I don't know if we can, I don't know if we're going to get in trouble for this, but I'm just going to read. So this comes from IndieWire. Despite retiring from filmmaking in 2016, Blood Rain director Uwe Boll has managed to keep quite busy. Firstly, he revealed that he briefly stayed, oh, this, I was going to go over this. He revealed that he briefly stayed in Jennifer Lawrence's childhood room where he read her diaries in her one time bedroom. So basically her, Jennifer Lawrence's parents had moved to Hollywood to help Jennifer Lawrence like build up her acting career. And I guess they rented out a room that used to be her room. And Uwe Boll like rented the room from her parents before she was like a big actress. So she's not even, it's gross enough if he's doing it because he like really likes, like he's obsessed with her because she's an actress. But I think all of the, this is 26. No, sorry. But this, this is before 2016. So this was, I believe before Jennifer Lawrence was like a, a known actress so it he was, was just, he Winter's was just... Bone in 2010 that pushed her into the spotlight. Okay, so I don't know exactly when this was, but still, like, she wasn't a household name yet, I don't think. Right. So he's just staying and just reads her diary. And, he, and then bragged about it. Well, yes, that's gross, but why would her parents rent out her room with her effects still in it? fair question that means uh, uh, that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't me make Uwe Boll any less cr- creepy or make it yes. any less yes. awful but yes also like weird judgment especially like if you look at it like Uwe Boll's not a person I would let near my daughter much less stay in a room that she used to stay in but anyway so later on in the article Boll has taken to Twitter to publicly challenge InfoWars founder and professional conspiracy theorist Alex Jones to a boxing match Quote, if he can accept my challenge. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I did not. I don't know how I missed that it was Alex Jones that he called out. That's yeah. stunning. So this is the official tweet was uh, male vitality my ass. Retweet all over the net until fat pussy ass respond to Uwe Bowl boxing challenge. If Alex Jones can challenge others to boxing match, he can accept my challenge. Retweet the world over and write all your faves news outlets so this happened. That was a tweet from Uwe Bowl in 2018. That is insane. Wow. Yeah, so Uwe Boll is great, and he directs terrible <laughs> movies. And they're not what – I, what I think is really important to say about his movies being bad. Chris, I think you and I are both people who love a good, bad movie. Yeah. You put a Chupacabra Terror or a Velocipaster in front of me, and I'm in 110%. He doesn't make fun, bad movies. They're they're incompetent ripoffs, and and I don't want to say ripoffs because I understand like all of them are based on a video game property, but there's sure. nothing original about his take on it. They're they're just truly they're kind of what's the what's the there's a film production company that like makes a makes a name off of ripping off. They did like tra- instead of Transformers, they did Transmorphers. Yeah, let me look it up real quick because I know actually, what you're talking about. They have though. since they have since gone on to actually start original zombie asylum. Yes. So if I'm not mistaken, Asylum started doing there's there's like two zombie series on Netflix that Asylum produced, and they're not ripoffs of another. It's not like like Dusk of the Dead. Like they're actual they're actual like original properties that are not totally uninteresting. But like he makes 
stuff that is basically asylum level where he's just taking a he takes basically he takes a video game that is recognizable gets a college intern who is studying stagecraft to make the costumes and then says oh well this movie is really popular let's do this except with this video game that's that, that's his whole thing he did that with house of the dead was basically just it was similar to all of the you know dawn of the dead and all the zombie movies around that time and then uh-huh. the king is just like lord of the rings blood rain it's a weird fucking movie and i have my own theories about some of the some of the inspirations for some of the things in that it's also got chris blood rain has michael madsen and michelle rodriguez and ben kingsley in it like he i, I don't know what i kind remember of, i don't know what kind of i remember he has. hearing about ben kingsley being in it and being like excuse me what oh yeah the, i i totally forgot about how stacked this cast was michael madsen right uh, michelle rodriguez Ben Kingsley, Udo Kier, who was in, yeah, he was, for those of you who aren't as familiar with him, he was in the original Blade as the guy that Steven Dorff kind of is rivaling with. I don't remember any of the character names in that. It's also got Billy Zane and fucking Meatloaf. What? Yeah, and Meatloaf, uh, the one screen grab that I have from Rotten Tomatoes is, it looks kind of like if you did Shaggy Dog. And Meatloaf was the shaggy dog, and it's like halfway through the transformation <laughs> scene. Are you looking at this? No. I'm just, I'm picturing uh, John Candy as barf and space balls. Not too far off. Go, go, to the, go to the Rotten Tomatoes. I encourage everybody right now, go to the, the Blood Rain, Blood Rain, R-A-Y-N-E, all one word, on Rotten Tomatoes, and look at this picture. And then if, I don't encourage bullying, but harass the fuck out of Meatloaf. Like, go to his Twitter and just share this post over and over again. All five of the <laughs> listeners at this point need to. It might catch his attention and stop him from just ruining his life. Oh, my God. Was I right or was I right? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. How did they make his face look more like leather than it already does? They probably just put leather on it is what I'm guessing. They, probably. Yeah. They just got flesh tone paint and then just painted leather flesh tone color and then just kind of you know how like when you're when you're trying to get spaghetti to to see if it's ready just throw it against the wall it's probably just took like little slivers of of leather and just did that yeah yeah so so i would say as much as i admit that mortal Kombat annihilation is a bad movie it is not a good movie it at least has a level of respect for the video games i don't believe that Uwe Boll has respect for anything, much less the video games that he makes movies about. We have a mutual friend who would be thrown into, at this point, old man conniptions if he ever heard the name Uwe Boll. And I finally, coming up on 30, I understand why he got so angry. Yeah, it's just bad stuff. And then they had to throw Dave Foley into Postal. Hold on, is that the Dave Foley I'm thinking of? Yeah. They had to go... Wow. Yeah. Like, why are you doing that, Uwe Boll? Flick the ant. Yeah. Of course, that's what he's best known for. That's the, of course, yeah, the animated movie, not the long-running Canadian improv group that he was a part of. No. Jackass. The what? <laughs> wow. It's disrespectful in the highest. Mm. Okay. I think it's also... The other thing that I, that I thought notable, when I was thinking about the movies that I think stand out the most in, in the genre, right? They all are, I guess what you would say, fun. 
And I think there was this brief, not so, not so much brief experiment, but I think there's this tendency to always want to take properties that are dark and keep that tone. Like, the two that jump out to me are Assassin's Creed and Max Payne. Max Payne, I think, is probably a, a really good example of why you can't just remake a movie. Because if you... Did you ever play Max Payne? No. It's a pretty... I, I don't... I didn't continue to play them, and honestly, I didn't even finish the first game. I couldn't get past too much because like the first one of the first missions in max Payne includes a crib with a dead baby in it spoiler alert like and like max Payne's dead baby right so like it's a really dark property and i think it like lightens up a little bit as time goes on but it's rough and like i mean the the actual lighting in the video game is pretty depressing it's just it is not a fun play it kind of it's like true crime meets i remember I remember the big thing about that game was that it was like very dark, yeah, both visually and tonally, and it was the first game to have bullet time. Yeah, and it was a really cool mechanic, and that's something that they carried over to the movies. But I and I'd I'd have to look it up. But so Max Payne is another one that I think is is not a good movie, but it is a pretty accurate depiction or it, it definitely pays a lot of attention to the source material visually uh-huh. it looks very much like it i think mark Wahlberg's actually a, a good choice visually for max and i don't remember max having enough of a personality as a protagonist to really like make a case for mark Wahlberg not being a decent pick for him but i think where it falls apart is from what i can remember of max Payne, they pretty much just were like okay we're just going to make this look exactly like the game and so what you get is this movie that really doesn't feel like it has a voice because it's just mimicking something that was already there. And you don't have anything fun to look at or like there's no fun elements to the story that they're just copying, like carbon copying. Whereas you take on something like Tomb Raider, which I would say is also pretty similar in that, you know, Angelina Jolie's got a little bit of charm, but it's very much just the video games brought into reality but because mm-hmm. they picked a property that was fun and adventurous versus dark and depressing and bordering on horror in the video game genre it it didn't connect with audiences and I, i'm sure there's plenty of other re- things to point to but i think that is a problem i think it's also something that assassin's creed suffered from because the assassin's well, creed funny. franchise is, is kind of in the same place go on well, it's funny that you mention how flat of a character Max Payne is in the video games. That's something inherent to video game protagonists. And right. part of the reason, it's actually the same thing that made Twilight so popular. Because hmm. Bella, as a character, I read about half of the first book Okay. back in the day. And the thing that struck me immediately is that Bella was a blank slate of a character okay and she does girl things because she's girl (laughs) like and and well it's done very much on purpose because when you have this blank kind of like conduit of a character that is like the the gateway for the audience to insert themselves in the narrative and that's precisely why they do that with video games i mean you, you've probably heard they've been trying to adapt Legend of Zelda yeah. into something for, again, like a decade. And yeah. one of the things that's so difficult, other than bringing 
link into live action and not looking absurdly silly is what the hell is he all about? What does he sound? Because in the, the video games, he very purposefully does not speak right at all. And it's just, he's just this character that you play as and he's the hero and that's it. Yeah. And that's all they need. So it, it does make it a little bit difficult. Now, you, you were about to mention Assassin's Creed. I never saw the movie, and that's because I've got a more than glancing understanding of the video games. Yeah. But kind of the, the conceit of at least the, the first several Assassin's Creed was that it was actually set in modern times yeah or 15 minutes in the future yeah it was a simulation based on memories that Mm -hmm. were like passed down ancestrally or something like that and from what i understand zero percent of that made it into the movie which which part the the like the whole memory simulation aspect so you're saying to your understanding that there was none of the past memories in the movie or that there was none of the modern day part of the none of the modern day part of it oh so so i i have seen it i saw it once and it was tough to pay attention to for me Mm -hmm. but there definitely is plenty of modern day stuff and to me that's i think where where it falls apart i think because i really yeah it's just not interesting to me and it's not interesting to me and i don't think that it's terribly compelling as a story because you get this kind of like almost Spartacus thing going on where from what I can remember, Michael Fassbender's character, like the main character, the protagonist is, is kind of being either forced physically to be a part of this experiment or is being coerced through, you know, he's kind of being like blackmailed almost into doing it. But it, so it takes on this kind of Spartacus quality, but you know, the, the problem that I always had with the video game also was the fact that it's, it's sold on, or you're, you're sold on the mechanics uh, the of me- it. I the feel mecha- like. Well, the mechanics of it, but the mechanics of the past, right? I mean, if you look back, the original, the original couple were set in France, I believe. Italy. Italy. I'm sorry. Yeah, Italy, and then it went on to there was a Black Flag, which was all pirate based, and then there was a American Revolution, which was Native American based, and then you had one based in Egypt and one based in like Victorian London, and then you had one based in the most recent one I think was what was that based in? Oh, the Vikings. It was the Vikings. Yeah. So you have you have all these different periods of time, and there's a lot of really interesting mechanics, but you ultimately it feels a little bit like a bait and switch because you do have that element of okay, well, that's part of it, but there's also this part of it that is, like, in modern days, and it's more of just information gathering. And the, the, okay. problem, is, the problem is that the majority of the games that I've played from the Assassin's Creed franchise, that modern-day component, is a, a lot of it is cutscenes. The beauty <laughs> of it is you can skip through a cutscene, or you can just <laughs> go get something to drink or go, like, use the restroom while that cutscene's happening. You don't get that with a movie. You're forced to go through it. And so it... It's this problem where, yeah, the movie just didn't really – I think it, it was trying to incorporate all the different elements of the game without truly understanding why people were coming to see your movie. I don't know. I think it, that's fair. Yeah, it, I, I think it's just, you, you know, what what is more interesting, a guy who is being kind of pressed into service for this scientific experiment or, cert, you know, scientific search for knowledge 
or a guy with blades coming out of each of his wrists <laughs> that can like assassinate a whole squad of soldiers, right? Right. So right. what's going to be more interesting to watch and like how mad are you going to be when you get to the other part? So speaking of like the mechanics of it, just kind of like sidebar, you know what they did for the Egyptian set one? They actually took all of the available archaeological records uh-huh. and they basically made it as accurate as they possibly could. And they actually released a version of the game to schools where like you would go through and it kind of removed a lot of the, you know, there wasn't any like violent aspects to it because the whole point was you could go around the city and it would tell you what it was, where it was, what they used it for. Yeah. It was like a really cool kind of, you know, edutainment sort of approach that they took like in addition to making the game, which I thought it was a pretty, pretty damn cool thing. Yeah, I, I came can. Out. I can respect that. Yeah, I still think their games are a little just boring and repetitive. I don't think we've needed like you know. They are a bit repetitive. Yeah, sixteen of them at this point, but right. But you know, credit where credits due. Now, when mm-hmm. we're talking about mechanics of video games, I don't think we can. Have you seen Doom? I have not, but I am familiar with what you're about okay. to talk about. So Doom, I, I give a lot of credit because it's the only movie. I think with the balls to fully lean into the the source material in the way that this did. So Doom is a first-person shooter. I think the basic premise that I understand it, because I remember I played it as when I was younger, but I never really paid attention to it. I was just like, oh, you can shoot stuff? Cool, I'm in. So mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, and from what I can remember of the movie, okay. you're basically a soldier or some sort of a badass with a gun who has gone into I, I don't remember if the if the off planet thing was 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 a part of the original movie but or part of the original video game but you're basically fighting like hell demons and hell is kind mm. of coming to earth and you're fighting that I mean that it's a, it's a very simplistic game it's it's on the same lines of like the original not Castlevania what was the one where you fight Hitler Wolfenstein Wolfenstein yeah it's very similar to that you fight no 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 because I played this one as a very young child, not even realizing that it was a super controversial, ultra violent game. Yeah. In which you fought Hitler in a mech suit. Yeah. At the sorry. End. Mech. Yeah. Mecha Hitler. My apologies. So Doom, pretty respectable cast. You had The Rock, Carl Urban, Rosamund Pike, Dexter Fletcher, and then a bunch of actors that I think you just recognize as like that one guy that dies in any sort of like badass with a gun movie. Right. Mm-hmm. But what I what I respect more more than anything in this movie is the fact that they have a, f- a sequence that I want to say probably lasts about a minute and a half to two minutes. Um, I want to say it's like almost five. Is it? Okay. Yeah. But it is completely first person. They don't get they don't try to be subtle about going into it or coming out of it. But it is basically a cinematic film equivalent of the video game where it's uh, you are completely first person the gun is being held in exactly the right place as it would have been in the video game all of the camera movements are exactly how it would be in a video game and it's just this like the fan service of all fan service inside of this you know forgettable but still decent action shoot 'em up shoot 'em up movie yeah and i think it's interesting as we 
as we move on into video games, if we'll see that more. I mean, so I know, you know, some of them would be kind of tougher to do. Like there could be some sort of a bit with like Sonic. And I don't know if this was in the original one where like you just see Sonic running, you know, running in some sort of like a city setting and, you know, the destruction of the city has made these perfect, you know, loop-de-loops and, you know, you, you could recreate it that way. But I am curious if there will be more of an attempt to kind of fully simulate the video game or if that's even really what people want. I don't know. Is that what is that what you want out of a video game is to bring you that much closer to the video game that it's sourcing? Like, is it almost too like, I guess the question is like, I, I like that that scene because it's just like it, it's completely aware of what it is. But yeah, and I I think that that's the way it should be approached is yeah. that it's a portion, it's a scene. Right. And you know, it's just like any of the you know, I'm I'm kind of thinking about like Avengers Endgame where there's like that big moment that everybody wants to see that everybody's going to like react to. So like, yeah, build a competent movie around it, but right. you know, give them the that I know what that is, you know. Right. The Ready Player One, but for five minutes and. Uh... <laughs> oh God. Is Ready I'm Player even... One technically a video game movie? Uh, no. I mean, kind of, I... right? Well, it's about video games. Well, so is Gamer. Yeah. Did you ever see that one? No, I. Don't think I ever was bored enough to see Gamer. Um, that I was the one with Gerard Butler, right? Yeah. That was that one came out in this weird. I don't know what the like what was in the water, but I feel like there were a lot of movies that were tackling that same theme as Gamer. Uh, Surrogates came out around the same time and felt very uh-huh. similar. There, there were there were I feel like there were a number of movies at that time that just came out with like just that same kind of vibe, the same kind of weird polish to it, but all dealing with kind of like the something else is controlling you. What's the real person? Kind of like the thesis yeah. boat, but like for people kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I, Doom, I think is an interesting, is an interesting one. I, I, I'm trying, I'm struggling to remember any other movie that I think leaned that into it. I think resident resident evil probably has to have had one or two of those moments by this point. Right. Cause there's like 12 of those. I think there's legitimately six, and I think that's getting rebooted to actually follow storylines from the video games. I So I've never seen a Resident Evil movie, but from what I understand, they take like bits and pieces, and occasionally there'll be a character, but Mila Jovovich's character, from what I understand, is not somebody from the video... If she is from the video games, her path in these movies is quite different sure. from the, you know, way that where the video games go. Because the video games, some of them kind of stand alone. As a matter of fact, I remember Resident Evil 4, which was a phenomenal game, mm. was one that I was like, this would make such a good standalone movie just yeah. in and of itself. But, you know, we'll see if what direction they take. But then... I think something I'm surprised we haven't even mentioned yet, and maybe it should be saved for like a companion episode that we do later on in the near term, but movie adaptations as video games. Oh. And how those are so consistently bad with some yeah. like 
you know, notable and kind of standout exceptions, but you know, that's a that's an interesting thing too and I think that'd be Yeah, let's let's put a pin in that and yeah. we'll revisit that soon. Yeah, agreed. The the thing before we move off of Resident Evil, the thing that I think is most bizarre about it is when I see cuz I I've never played I might have played a couple minutes of one Resident Evil, but I couldn't even tell you which one it was. But there's never really any question as to whether or not Resident Evil is a zombie game. And somewhat, to, yeah. There, but I, I mean, that's that's the core that's the core thing that ties them all together, right? More or less, yeah. I I think so because I've I've played parts of the first one and I've played the entirety of the fourth one, and I think okay. watch somebody play number five, but. Okay. I would not profess to understand or know the lore other than Umbrella Corporation. Right. But but I think what's weird is when I see like in all the movies there are zombies. Mhm. But I'm looking at the trailer at the, like the posters right now. It seems like the the movie it's not a really a vanity project I don't think because Mila Jovovich isn't directing them, but it's just bizarre to me that there's only one poster that I'm looking at that actually has zombies on it. It's it feels like the from the pro, from the promotion at least it seems like it's more of a like post-apocalypse with Mila Jovovich than a specifically Kinda, yeah zombie fighting, which is ultimately what she's doing. Is like the the whole move the the from what I understand about the lore, it's basically the Umbrella Corporation has engineered the T virus and it has gotten out and started to infect people. And that seems like such an afterthought in the movies from what I've seen. It's like when they'll create these places for characters to go and the conflict the, the, the conflict is, oh, there's a zombie we have to get through. Like it, it seems like it's more of just a step rather than what what rather than zombies being the antagonist in the film which i think mm-hmm. is just it's not necessarily bad it might be that way in the games i don't know but it just seems like such an odd it's just an odd thing it seems like the movie's focused so much around mila jovovich's character that it kind of forgets like the conflict in a lot of cases yeah and i i think that that's probably one of the weaknesses of the but I, I think, honestly, the movie franchise became very much its own thing, only borrowing the odd creature from the video games to, hey, I know what that is, but yeah, at the end of the day, really all it is is just, like, monsters and zombies and shooting and Mila Jovovich. That's yeah. really kind of all it is. So Notably, up until, well, with the exception of, I'm looking here, it it with the exception of one or two, it looks like all of them were also directed by Paul W. S. Anderson, was also the director of the first Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah. So it, it is pretty yep. impressive. It is pretty cool to see. It looks like he took a break, but he's come back because in Resident Evil: The Final Chapter, he's Paul W. It, it, or it's directed by him, so he might have just stepped away for a second and then realized that it wasn't going well without him. But it is <laughs> it is interesting to see. Like if you look at just the budget and the I mean the technical components of the film when you see what what he had in Mortal Kombat and you know what what he is ultimately given to work with in in the later Resident Evils even though they're not 
the best movies from a visual and technical perspective. There's definitely a lot of growth there, so it's kind of cool to see. Ben, or, uh, Prince of Persia, I think I'm just going through the list here. Prince of Persia, I think, is interesting just because it, it I think, is a, a poster child for Hollywood's attempt at using a white actor and just making them look a little dirty. And it's like, oh, Prince of Persia. This yeah. Persian character, Jake Gyllenhaal with some dirt on him. Good enough yep. for me. Which was, weirdly enough, so that... That movie, I I remember seeing it and it being all right, but the director of that was Mike Newell, mm-hmm. who also directed Four Weddings and a Funeral, Donnie Brasco, Goblet Mona of Fire, Lisa's Smile, Goblet of Fire, yeah, like that's a that's an interesting kind of um, yeah, Man in the Iron Mask, Oof. yeah, that's a interesting oeuvre there yeah i i didn't realize that was mike newell honestly i mm-hmm. also didn't realize that the cast was as good as it was because this has got jake gyllenhaal ben kingsley again alfred molina toby kebble who i really i really want him to continue working because he's a really good actor toby kebble was in you ever see rock and rolla no i didn't did you see any of the planet of the apes movies the remake the the remakes with um yeah by, Okay, he was uh, Koba, or voice. Okay, voiced, and I think he he was also did the motion capture for Koba. Yeah, um, he's great. I like him a lot. He was also in he was in one of the more recognizable Black Mirror episodes. He's a good he's a good one to watch out for. Let's see. Yeah, I'm looking at some of these other on the list. We've got Tomb Raider, which I think I think it's kind of like like Blade or the the uh, Sam Raimi Spider Man. For, for kind of the, I, I think it doesn't necessarily get as much credit as newer movies, like newer movies in this genre do, for being a totally competent. And at the time, I remember it being pretty well received movie. Like I, I think this was probably the first movie I could think of that really shook the notion that you can't make a good a, a good comic book movie, or excuse me, a good video game movie. That that the masses can go like yeah. watch and enjoy whether or not it's that great of a movie, but at least like a, a popcorn flick that can bring sure. the uninitiated in. Yeah. There's nothing really inherently offensive about it. I mean, you've got a decent cast. You've got Angelina Jolie, John Voight, Ian Glenn, Daniel Craig, which is what it's one of the first things I remember being aware of Daniel Craig in Noah Taylor. I mean, it's got, it's got some decent people at the, at the head of it. There were, co- I guess, I don't know if it was a controversy or not, but I know that one of the things that people, uh, got upset with a, probably a little bit later on from when the movie was released, but the the whole like you know serious padding of Angelina Jolie's chest to hmm. to more accurately mimic the video game. But I mean it, it. I think she's a. I think Angelina Jolie is probably the best actress I could think of. I, I think she is a much better Lara Croft than what we got in the reboot uh, a couple of years ago with really? Alicia Vikander. Yeah, I think. From what I can remember, because I think, you know, uh, Angelina Jolie doesn't really try to play it super deep. There's She doesn't try to give a whole lot of depth. In the original games, there wasn't a whole lot of depth to her. She was basically the, you know, it, kind of the reverse of the James Bond from GoldenEye, where there's not a whole uh-huh. lot to her character, yeah. kind of like what you're talking about. You know, the, the character of Laura Croft was pretty one note in the movie, but I think that's kind of... To service, the, yeah, that's kind of the point. She's just, she is basically. I mean, if you look at the movie, she's basically a female James Bond, and you know, there's plenty of really fun. You know, for the time it came out in 2001, you know, there's plenty of of good action 
in it. The the effects are perfectly fine. The story throughout, from what I can remember, is coherent. None of the acting is super poor. It's got some super, you know, not super, but some fun little bits in it. I don't know. I, I think this, it, write us and let you, let us know what you guys think. If, if you've seen Laura Croft or if, if, if you haven't seen the original Tomb Raider, what would you say is the, the first example of a good video game movie? Making a scene mail at gmail.com. That's my plug. All right. Yeah. So there, there was one other movie that I kind of wanted to touch on, but I think we actually can save it because I think it's part of a different, slightly larger story, which is Duncan Jones's Warcraft. Okay. Have you which... seen, have you seen this one? I know the story behind it, but I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either. So we should both do that. And then... <laughs> Well, come because Duncan Jones, son of the late David Bowie, rest in peace. But yeah, I think that movie kind of deserves a that that would be a good one to if we ever do a profile on Mr. Duncan Jones because yeah, uh, was something else. I remember that being quite a an ordeal before and after its release. So yeah, well, and I think it's you know of all of the video games that I'm seeing being made here. I would, I don't, I don't know that you could argue against this. Warcraft, the world of Warcraft, has got to be the most balls out, ambitious attempt. Yeah, I, to, yeah. To tackle a, a a franchise with that much lore, that violent of a following, and that as high of a following. Yeah, well, and that high of an expectation. I mean, I think. That's probably on the same level as not. I, well, I don't know. It it's probably it might be higher, but I think that and Halo probably are the two that I think like you have to be a hundred and fifty percent sure that this is going to work, or don't even try it because right. you are. It's going to not necessarily be a career ender, but it it will be a huge scar on your career as far as fans go, at least if you don't if you screw it up. Yeah. And I think, from what I can remember, the the, the reviews were kind of middling for it. I know Rotten Tomatoes has it at twenty eight percent, but it's got an audience score of seventy six. So, mm. it's a movie that the the audience seems to have split from critics as far as the enjoyable level of it. But it's got a pretty banging cast. I'm the guy to talk about casts here. You got Ben Foster and Toby Kebbell, who I will defend to the ends of the earth. Uh, it's also got Travis Fimmel, who was kind of uh, not necessarily coasting, but definitely coming off of his success with the Vikings TV show. I'm actually curious if if that's why he left the show. I'd be curious to look into that. That might be part of what I'd be looking into. And Clancy Brown. Got good old Clancy Brown throwing his voice into some mocap. Yeah, I, I think that'd be a good one to either do like a solo episode on or... Or we can discuss it when we do a Duncan Jones ep. Yep. Cool. Well, cool. So, yeah, I think at the end of the day, what it comes down to is uh, video game adaptations are really fucking tricky. And only in the last two years has anybody seemed to be able to pull it off in a way that is commercially uh, viable, it seems. So, yeah. It'll be interesting to see where this goes, especially with, you know, the streaming services offering platforms for every damn project you can imagine. So we'll see yeah. how that uh, plays out. Well, let me and before we 
before we wrap, I'm gonna look up upcoming. I'm just curious, like how, because I, I know we've got a, we've got a number of them, but I'm kind of curious just what's on the immediate horizon. Upcoming video game movies. See, Game Ranch should be able to tell us. Oh yeah, you got some big ones. Okay, so this is according to Game Rant, and I will say a lot of these probably—I don't want to say—are are probably in development hell, but I'm sure a number of these are might still be in some sort of like pre-production, like still trying to work out the kinks, but. What I'm seeing on this list is we got Monster Hunter, uh, which I believe I don't know that if that's, just dropped. did it drop. Okay, so that one yeah. we've got Uncharted with little Spider-Man Tom himself, Tom Holland, and Mark Wahlberg. We've got the new Mortal Kombat dropping in just a few weeks. We've got a Resident Evil reboot. We've got Sonic the Hedgehog 2 right now that's slated for April of 2022. There yep. apparently is an attempt for a Super Mario movie in 2022. They're doing a Borderlands movie, Detective Pikachu 2, which I'm really stoked about seeing i've heard about this for a while now but five night at freddy's which blumhouse is behind it is it really okay well yeah. then maybe not uh metal gear solid which has been in the talk it's been talked about for quite a while oscar isaac mm -hmm. has been attached as solid snake which is very exciting oh yeah minecraft which i there's one thing i'm seeing in here that makes me want to consider that as a possibility and that's that rob mcelenny from it's always sunny in philadelphia it's always sunny in philadelphia is set to direct or was set well hold on it says he was set to direct it at one point so whoever's hmm. trying to get this made is going a very interesting direction yeah so tomb wow. raider tomb raider 2 that would be a follow-up to the first alicia vikander movie yeah so i think we've it's definitely these movies aren't going away anytime soon nope we'll see how they how they end up faring i guess yeah I don't know. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. Well, anyway, that's all for this week. <laughs> all right, guys, make sure to drop us a line with any thoughts on what you heard today, what episodes you might want to hear coming up in the future. If you search for us on Making a Scene on Facebook, you can also reach out to us on our email, makingascenemail at gmail.com. Or if you're one of those hip-happening kids and want to find us on Instagram, uh, you can get us at Making a Scene Movie Podcast. Uh, that's, again, Instagram. That's I-N-S-T-A-G-R-A-M. You can find it if you talk to the guy at the cell phone store and just let him know that you want that on your phone. They can put it on there for you. All right, guys. We really appreciate you. We will hear more from you next week when you put up the next podcast episode. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you.